the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Well, hello, everybody. Dennis Prager with you. I have said to you, as a matter of fact, not a, not a matter of attack, matter of fact, that truth is not a left-wing value. It's a liberal value. It is a conservative value. It is not a left-wing value. It never has been. And here's a dramatic example which concerns me. So I really know the story, as they say. Dennis Prager claims there were, quote, many nice slaveholders in the South. That is the headline. Most people only read headlines, especially people at Mediaite and other left-wing places. So if you saw that headline and you're a leftist, or for that matter, you're even a liberal and you saw that headline, you don't read further. Dennis Prager claims there were many nice slaveholders in the South. So the implication of the headline is that slaveholders were nice people and there's nothing particularly wrong about slavery. Is that correct? That would be the inference that people would draw. And that is what they intend by the headline. As many of you know, I have spoken about this on many occasions, nice people can do great evil. Slavery was a great evil, and I gave the example, I give a number of examples. They were nice communists, they were nice fascists, there are nice leftists, and they were nice slaveholders, because, as I point out, the human being is morally complex. There are macro values and there are micro values. You could, you could take care of your family and your friends and be honest in your business dealings and support an evil like slavery. This is way too complex for the people who read Mediaite. There were 1,700 comments. We told you that Republicans support slavery. That is the gist of it. It is very difficult to know how this divide between morons who, who have no intellectual honesty and the rest of the country can ever be fixed. Given that colleges intend to produce morons um, of the left, so it's it's quite remarkable. One guy in all of in all of this, because people who love truth don't go to mediaite. One guy in all of this 
decided to say, well, wait a minute. Don't, if you read the thing or if you listen to him, he says slavery is vicious. <laughs> and that's it. It's like, it's like somebody going into a math class. No, 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 no. Two and two is four. The people at media, I probably sleep well, which is they prove another theory of mine. The ease with which the conscience can be manipulated to support evil. That's it. That's what it proves. That's why it's so difficult to make a good world because the human being, human nature is not good, as I have pushed all of my life as a basic understanding of the human condition. And the ease with which the human being can make peace with doing what is wrong, with lying, etc., is so easy. The greatest cause of evil, however, certainly in the last hundred years, has been ideology. Not, not individual psychopathology. Not even every psychopath does terrible uh, things. They don't have, they're known, but the psychopath is the individual whose conscience is dulled. In that sense, I guess there is a psychopathology involved in leftism, because the conscience is dulled. This is the first thing I knew about the left when I was in high school, because they were not against communism. Liberals were, and conservatives were, leftists were not. And I knew then I could never, ever be a leftist. I didn't make the leftist-liberal divide as consciously as I now do. I repeat, of course, liberals liberals are a great example of nice people who do terrible things by voting for the left. And I know them well. These are really nice people. They would give you the shirt off their back. Not every liberal is a nice person, but ma- many of them are. There are two forms of decency in the human condition, macro and micro. I, I said that in the snippet that they... They put out, but it's not in the headline. There's macro values and micro values. There are people with good macro values who are not nice. I don't, I don't, I don't assess whether people I don't know are nice, generally speaking. But certainly, Donald Trump. A lot of people think he's not a nice man. Fine, he's not a nice man. But what matters for President of the United States is not whether the person is nice, it's the person's macro values. And the good that he did for this country and for the world it was, was unprecedented since, since Abraham Lincoln. He was that good of a president. But there's no moral wisdom on the left. Mediaite is a perfect example of the dishonesty of the left and the lack of moral wisdom. I played for you, the Young Turks, for an hour yesterday, the third hour of my show, this big left-wing podcast, where they spent quite some time. How much did they spend? Fifteen minutes? It was ten minutes? And it took the whole hour because of my commentary. Yeah, okay. 
on my article about the disproportionate amount of damage done by women in our society, the hysterical reactions on uh, one cat, a big feminist site, feminist leftist, non-leftist feminist site, only uh, confirmed the thesis of my piece about what my male-female our topic was yesterday that men we know that boys have to be taught to control their natures but we don't know that girls do otherwise emotions get the better of them and that is what is happening in the production of all these very sad very very sad kids who say especially girls who say they're boys on the Young Turks, I was told to shut up about my opposition to 18-year-olds having their breasts cut off and, and uteruses removed. Perfectly healthy people. The left's mutilation of young people, by young I don't mean minors, well they do, but the, the hormone blockers are started at 12 and 13 years of age. This is an equivalent to the clitoridectomies that are done in some parts of the Muslim world. Girls have their clitorises removed. So the next time you condemn, and you should condemn, clitoridectomy, just remember what we do to girls in the name of... What is it in the name of? It's an interesting question. In the name... They won't say wokeness, that's the term we use. So what is it in the name of? I, I am a surgeon, you're 18, you're perfectly healthy. Until now, I've only removed the breasts of women who are suffering from breast cancer. But you're perfectly healthy, say you're a boy, and for the proper fee, I will remove your breasts. In the name of, what, what fill in the blank? It would say something like Not psychological health and in the name of psychological health. You, you may be right. But I, I need an equivalent to those who do it to girls in the name of Islam. Remember, when people leave Judaism and Christianity, they don't leave religion. They invent secular religions, which have done consider, I mean, incomparably more damage. Communism murdered 100 million people and enslaved more than a billion maybe two billion. Yes, it's slavery communism, which doesn't bother the left because it's not racial slavery. It's progressive slavery. That, bother, that does not bother the left. The fight for a good world never ends. The Fed is unstable. Interest rates could go up at any moment. If you're relocating and need to buy a new home or invest in real estate, get fully underwritten and approved with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian at Sierra Pacific Mortgage before you make an offer. Their fast-track approval process will allow you to compete with cash offers, whether you're buying today, tomorrow, or a year from now. Even though housing prices are stabilizing or coming down, economic uncertainty, supply chain issues, and limited construction means the real estate market is limited and competitive. Go to andrewandtodd.com. That's andrewandtodd.com right now. Get fully approved today and have confidence so that when you're ready to buy, you'll have the money ready to go. 
Don't wait. Go to andrewandtodd.com. Lock in today's still historically low rates. Go to andrewandtodd.com. That's andrewandtodd.com. Hello, my friends. Hmm. It is quite... uh, It is quite good stuff. I'm still amazed at the ease with which the left lies. In the macro, the micro, the ease. That people would say that I defended slavery. Remember, was it Purdue? Yeah, I spoke at Purdue and some black uh, college uh, official said that I defended slavery. Yeah, and I wrote to him and asked him for an apology because we have a video of my talk. He just lied. He made it up. Yeah. Like Mediaite, they just lie. And then they believe their lies, and then 15, not, now it's down to 1,550 comments. Well, I told you. Oh, and of course, it's very important. They're, they love to personally attack. Prager is so ugly, no wonder he sticks to radio. It's a comment. <laughs> Wouldn't you, you know I would pay money to have that person come into the studio and, and I would interview them. I wouldn't even debate them. You think I'm ugly? Fine. Why did you write that? Do you have children? Do you know when I get uh, when I get mail that curses me out, which is not often, but it happens. I mean, just you're you're an effing piece of s, and, and the whole the whole gamut of curse words. So if they actually have their real name and email address, I I on occasion have responded. My response is generally along these lines. I'm just curious, because I, I don't write back anything that is in any way analogous to what they wrote to me. Do you have children? I'm just curious if you have children. And I'll tell you why. Because I would be embarrassed if my child ever saw me write an email like the one you sent me. Sincerely yours, Dennis Prager. You never get a response to that. I'll bet my picture of the mediaite commenter, the average mediaite commenter, is of a single person who is a loser. Because it takes a loser to write that. By the way, it was done on occasion not nearly as much, but it was done by people on the right where they would mock um, a member of the Clinton family's looks, for example, and I thought the same thing. You, you, that, that's, uh, that's unimpressive. But uh, this is the level of this website, which 99% of you never heard of, so I debate whether even to publicize it, but if you get 1,500 comments, clearly people on the left, some people on the left know of your existence. Yes. By the way, uh, my wife supplied me the name 
in in which healthy girls have their breasts taken off by children's hospitals if they say they're a boy when the clitoris is removed in a clitoridectomy it's done in the name of Islam but what is what is this mutilation of girls done in the name of and it is mutilation you, you can't I mean, the re, the removal of breasts of a, on a healthy person is is mutilation you may say it's it's holy mutilation and they do they don't use the word holy because it has religious judeo-christian connotations so they don't want to use it but they do it in the name of you ready for the name my, my wife came up with we were looking for a name compassion there there is no this is another reason for worrying about the human condition there is no sweet sounding value in which evil cannot be committed equality produced the french revolution the guillotine the murder of vast numbers of priests and you know people don't know about the french revolution they don't know about anything you don't learn anything in school you learn preferred pronouns I, w- I would be very curious if the average high school senior can tell me a single fact about the French Revolution, let alone that what is the biggest difference between the American Revolution and the French Revolution. You know, I found a quote from Hannah Arendt, one of the leading thinkers of the 20th century. Do you agree with her or not? She wrote a famous book about the banality of evil. She wrote about Adolf Eichmann, the architect of the Holocaust. And she wrote that the French Revolution had a much more lasting impact on the world than the American Revolution. Isn't that interesting? She's right. The love of liberty did not spread around the world, but the love of equality did spread around the world. More people have been murdered in the name of equality certainly more more than anything else in in the 20th century the the only comparison and it's in terms of numbers it's much smaller is in the name of Aryan supremacy but how many kids have ever been taught that do you know that that the, the that more suffering was created in the name of equality than in the name of anything else in the last 500 years That is worthy of a PragerU video. In the name of what have most people been murdered? Back in a moment. MyPillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale and Giza Dream bedsheet sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're all on sale for as low as $29.98 with our listener promo code. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale and Giza Dream sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. 
Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 800-761-6302. Use the promo code Prager. Or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code Prager. Hey, everybody. There is a series of books out called The Politically Incorrect Guide to. I have read a number of them. I've had many of their authors on. Every one I read is superb. I really salute the the people who edit this, who, who created it. It's regularly. I salute them. Uh, just uh, for full disclosure, they happen to publish my uh, my uh, Bible commentary, the Rational Bible. By the way, the the fourth of uh, the third of five volumes is coming out next month. I'll talk to you about that later. I want, I want to deflect attention from this. But I'm not advocating this. I have, uh, because I'm published by Regnery. I didn't even know Regnery published this till I looked right now. The Politically Incorrect Guides are superb. The latest is the Politically Incorrect Guide to Economics. Thomas DiLorenzo is the writer. He is a professor of economics at Loyola College, Maryland, or was, senior fellow at the Ludwig von Mises Institute. And this is the Politically Incorrect Guide to Economics. Sir, I salute you. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm just curious, did you read other Politically Incorrect Guides to, to follow the pattern that they set? Well, yes, I did. Yeah, my, my friend Tom Woods wrote the first one. It was on history, and it was a New York Times bestseller. So I've been familiar with the guides for years, and I've read several of them on uh, different topics, and, uh, and and like you, I, I love all of them. I think they're all just fabulous books. Fabulous books, and and you've written one now, and it's just, when did it come out? August 16th, just a couple of weeks ago. Well, congratulations. I, I I hope it becomes a bestseller because that means more and more people will know something about economics. My wife is knows a great deal about economics. Her claim is that economic illiteracy is that's the real pandemic any thoughts on that well yeah actually uh, i wrote an epilogue to the book at the end of uh, the 15 chapters and i uh, i closed the very last sentence or two is that uh, understanding economic common sense is something that uh, the state fears more than insurrectionists uh, and and terrorists it's, you know, an educated populace is a very dangerous thing, and especially an economically educated populace. And so uh, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. And uh, I was a college professor, a university economics professor for 41 years. I recently retired from that job. And basically, what even what college students are mostly taught is uh, the market, the free enterprise system fails in a thousand different ways. And needs to be corrected by perfect government bureaucrats and politicians. And uh, but there's a, always been a remnant uh, of, of academics, scholars, who are more freedom oriented and uh, um, free market oriented. And uh, and my book is all about that. And it sort of uh, uh, criticizes the the fallacies and superstitions of market failures and failure, supposedly failure of the free enterprise system and the uh, the wonders of government in fixing the problems that uh, government itself usually creates in the first place. It was that line, by the way, I, I just think it's relevant, 
to note to my audience, and I'm sure you don't know this because this is something I would say regularly here. It was Ronald Reagan's line that government is not the solution, it's the problem. I think within a week of that, I became a Republican. He, he, I, I knew it. It's like people say to me, I say things that they feel, but I put it into words. That's what Reagan did for me. First of all, governments are the authors of all the genocides of the 20th century. That, for that alone, people should fear and loathe big government. But, but he was speaking, of course, in America and, and in policy. You have a chapter called The Root of All Evil. What is it? Well, that's the income tax, the root of all evil. And uh, the main reason uh, I believe the income tax is the root of all evil is that the government, when it instituted it in 1913, basically said, your income belongs to us. Everything you earn belongs to us. We will let you keep some of what you earn by setting the tax rate. But the assumption, the implicit assumption is that we now own your income. Good. Hold on there. Hold on. Professor, back in a moment. I, I want you to continue that thought. The Politically Incorrect Guide to Economics. It is up at DennisPrager.com or order it anywhere you want. The Dennis Prager Show. Uncle Tom 2 is the eye-opening documentary everyone in America should see. Dennis Prager here and Uncle Tom 2 offers a compelling and brave analysis of the true history of black America. The cultural shift from prosperity, integrity, and faith to its current perceived state of anger, discontent, and victimhood. Uncle Tom 2 offers historical footage, photos, correspondence, and data to reveal the genuine strides of black America in the 20th century. The deliberate Marxist strategy to create racial tension and replace God with government. The NAACP's sinister agenda. The fall of Black Harlem. The truth behind Black Lives Matter and the demoralization of America for political power. Don't miss Uncle Tom 2 from executive producer Larry Elder and director Justin Malone with Brandon Tatum, Vody Bakum, and Chad O. Jackson. Watch the movie on demand or buy the DVD now at SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com. Well, hello, my friends. I'm just reflecting on the last part of my last conversation of the previous hour with Professor DiLorenzo, who wrote the Politically Incorrect Guide to Economics, that at a university he taught at, a Republican student posted at some fair at the campus, I guess fair of clubs you could join, one page from one of the most important books written in the last 50 years, The Black Book of Communism, shockingly published by Harvard University Press. I wonder if it would publish it today. It was originally produced by French professors. It gives you an idea of how many people were murdered and tortured by communists. And he said there wasn't any student for whom this was not news. How could you go through a college education or a high school education and not know that communists were the greatest mass murder movement in in modern history? How could you not know that? It's because leftists teach your children, and they not only lie, 
by 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 commission, they lie by omission. If you don't hate communism, you don't hate evil. That's it. It's, it's just it's unbelievably morally simple. And yet they hate capitalism. It's it's a backwards world that is being manufactured for your children. Here's a little story from Ireland, in, and my my producer who sends out a remarkably important list of columns with his own summary of the column in a sentence. That's worth the price of it. You get that with Pragertopia, don't you? You not only get all my shows without commercial and you can go back and listen to and you can send them to friends but you also get the list of articles that I get every day from my producer with his pithy comments it's pragertopia.com if you like the show I can't imagine I, I really don't I don't understand why you wouldn't want to go to Pragertopia it's not I'm not being hard on you. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking aloud. Irish teacher suspended from school, jailed over transgender pronouns flap. New York Post. So he wrote, why is this happening in English-speaking countries? It's a point that I've made on a number of occasions. U.S., Canada, New Zealand, Australia... They, they lead the world in suppression of speech in the name of nonsense, of dangerous nonsense, I might add. The French aren't doing this. The French don't have preferred pronouns. The Norwegians don't have preferred pronouns. The Israelis don't have preferred pronouns. Mexicans don't. You think there's one Mexican who says Latinx when speaking English? Latinx. New York Times uses Latinx. That's it. Pro, it shows you the, the the descent of the New York Times into the gutter. A teacher in Ireland has been suspended from work and then jailed for contempt of court after he refused to use the correct pronouns to address a transgender student. Enoch Burke was arrested on Monday for violating a court order barring him from teaching at Wilson's Hospital School in Westmeath, or even being present there. Burke was suspended with pay from Wilson's Hospital School, but he had refused to stay away from campus. Burke, a devout Christian, teaches German history and politics. I love my school with its motto, res non verba, actions, not words. But I am here today because I said I would not call a boy a girl, Burke told the court. He refused to address a transitioning student as they instead of he. Our only hope seems to be among the religious, most religious, are as sheep-like as the secular, as you saw with the churches and synagogues, shutting down because the secular authorities told them to, 
obedience to irrational secular authority should be the the antithesis of what a church or synagogue does. This was a very telling moment. And I asked, who was it that I asked? Oh yes, Mark McDonald, the psychiatrist I had on earlier this week, who, who is a great, uh, great thinker and a courageous man. He has a sign up in his office that if you wear a mask, he won't treat you. You take off your mask if you want to be a patient of Dr. McDonald. And I asked him a question that has plagued me for the last couple of years. Do you really know someone until they are tested? It's a very, very difficult question. And his answer was emphatically, no, you don't. You don't know, you don't know yourself, I guess. You don't know anyone until they're tested. Well, the irrational and evil lockdowns, they tested institutions. And I, it's very sad that most rabbis, priests, and ministers failed. It's very sad because our only hope is in the religious community to withstand the totalitarianism toward which we're headed because of the left. And this man is religious in Ireland. So my point, once again, is while most religious people acted as sheep-like as most, as most secular people over the draconian laws removing freedom and the will- willingness of people to suspend their freedoms, it was mostly religious people who, who did anything, who, did, who fought back. So let me tell you something very dramatic. I'm reading an extremely long book now called Resistance. It's uh, both liberal and conservative media said it was a spectacularly important and amazingly informative book about resistance to the Nazis in World War II in, in countries that the Nazis occupied. I'm in the middle of it. It's a 900-something page book. I'm in the middle. And she's talking about the Holocaust and was there any resistance to the Holocaust. And it's obviously it's depressing beyond words to read anything about the Holocaust. But she does note, and I don't think she's a, a religious individual. She might be. But I, there's no indication of that anywhere that I looked, nor does it would it come through. But she, in passing, this is this is the record of the church, as I understand it, during World War II. The highest echelons had vestiges of anti-Semitism, and the Pope did not speak out much. However. 
the little help that Jews did get was overwhelmingly from religious Christians. So we have the same thing going on right now. We're not in the Holocaust. I'm not making a parallel to Nazism. I'm only talking about numbers. Most religious people are not particularly courageous. But among the courageous is a disproportionate number of religious people. Is that clear? I really want that to be clear. We, we are seeing that fact, or have seen that fact, just now in the United States of America. Hi everybody, Dennis Prager here. I have two terrific guests. These people uh, I adore. Before I introduce them, just a new news item. Queen Elizabeth just died. And uh, look, when a person dies at 96, the exact age my dad died, you certainly say they, they led a full life. But uh, I have my sadness is not that I feel she died prematurely. She obviously didn't. My sadness is that a great woman died. The dignity that this woman had every day of her reign is uh, something I think I will miss. I'm not sanguine about her son. Sanguine is a fancy word for optimistic. Anyway, may she rest in peace. She, she bore the crown of England with great dignity. So I don't know how long I know Anne McElhaney and Fila McAleer. I think a hundred years. <laughs> I think it was the last king of England, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. yes. We were at the funeral. We met at the funeral. I, I actually, I got to know you because of your fracking film. That's right. Which is still magnificent. People, what is the name of it? Frack Nation. Frack Nation. All of you should see that. Oh, God. It's so, it's so brilliant. Oh, thank you. And Everything you guys do, and then, of course, you're, you're, the movie that actually, which is not common for me, brought tears to my eyes, which you saw, because I saw it in your, at your place, and that was, what's his name, the doctor in, in Philadelphia? Gosnell. And now they have a brand new movie out. It's called My Son Hunter. I watched it last night. My wife and I were riveted. The dogs were riveted. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe it. They had never watched the movie until. <laughs> you guys really know how to make movies. I, I tell you, and, and the so I, I said to you it was tongue in cheek, and and Phelan said to me, "Yes, it's absurdist." What was the next word? Absurdist comedy. Absur- absurdist comedy. A perfect terminology. Because the only way to handle the Hunter Biden thing is. It, it, is absurdist. Yeah. So it's it, it's so you will learn an immense amount in an extremely entertaining way. That is the best way I could put it, and that's why I'm having the two of you on. So you made it's fascinating. You made the movie in Eastern Europe. Yes. Why did you do that? Well, COVID was part of it, right? COVID, yeah, COVID but, was part of the reason. But I suppose for for someone to tell Hunter Biden's story, you need. Lots of strip bars and beautiful women, and Eastern Europe has plenty of those. Um, Good reason, yep. Hunter Biden did a lot of his dodgy dealings in the Ukraine, uh, so we needed an East European feel to the place, and you you do catch that in the movie, I think. 
Um, also, we didn't want to hire a venue uh, in Oklahoma, in a city in Oklahoma or in a city in L.A., and arrive and turn out to be a protest, or the owner has cancelled, or the city has cancelled the permit. So there'd be less political interference, we felt, on a micro and a macro level. We'd be able to do our thing in this closed environment, we thought. And then Hunter Biden's lawyer infiltrated the set, posing as a documentary filmmaker. Is that right? Yes. Well, yeah, he flew in a private jet. And he's, he is a documentary filmmaker <coughs> and said, I'm making a documentary. He was on the set for three days, interviewed everyone, filmed constantly. It only emerged now that he's actually Hunter Biden's lawyer and was there collecting information for his Kevin kids. Morris. Kevin Morris. Hello, Kevin. He lives yeah, here now, he up in Malibu. Malibu. Yes, up the road. Yeah, do he what, why did he show up? He wanted to spy on us. He wanted yes. to find out what we were up to. He where, posed we go, as, where, where our sources were. He posed as, um, as a documentary filmmaker. He has a good story. He was the lawyer for the South Park guys. Kept mentioning that, dropping the South Park guys. Obviously, the South Park guys are kind of our kind of guys. They're libertarians. So we're like, okay, we believe that. Turns out, this is not at all what he was doing. Not, not at all what he was doing. He's gathering information. He was, for but he flew in on a private jet, by the way. I mean, what people need to, you know, and it's, it's actually quite an interesting uh, addition to the movie in a way, because we're making a movie about a very, very corrupt family. And you start to get a sense of, you know, here's a guy, obviously, Hunter Biden, who has a lot of drug and, you know, addiction issues. And as Irish people, we exported alcoholism around the world, so we can't be talking too much about addiction. <laughs> However, you know... When he gets into trouble, most alcoholics or drug addicts, when they get into trouble, you know, they end up on Skid Row. <coughs> this guy ends up with 30 lawyers, headed up by this guy who flew in in a private jet. Yes. Nice. Nice quite, to be a Biden. It's not quite the intervention, you know. Most people, you get an intervention, you're, you say, you've messed your life up, you need to go and work in a, in a vo- volunteer in a homeless shelter or something. No, this guy, his lawyer flies on a private jet to, to try and... En- enable more corruption, enable more, more bad behaviour. This is... Anyway, you know, that's the drama behind the drama. All right, so hold on. What would you say, Sean? Okay, so I want to remind everybody, we're obviously continuing in a moment. My son, Hunter, it's really all you ever wanted to know about Hunter Biden, the laptop, etc., but done in an extreme... It's, it, it's, as you point out, it's factual, but it's a story. Yeah. Yeah, but you learn facts, my friends, and it's scary. It's up at DennisPrager.com or just go to MySonHunter.com. Either way, as I said, we watched it last night. Hi, everybody. The producers and makers of this brand new film, The Side Crashed, I just learned. There were so many people watching it. Was it yesterday? That yes. It? yes. Wow, great. I, and we watched it last night, my wife and I. My Son Hunter. And you sort of, your mouth is sort of open the whole time. When you learn, when you learn, I mean, I had to keep reminding myself that despite the fact that this is a movie, it's true. I mean, when you would speak about, well, I got the following millions from here and millions from here, this, this is all based on, on, on what happened. Yeah, yeah. Were you, were you surprised I mean, I don't believe you knew all this before the movie. Totally, totally. I mean, Brian Godawa wrote this movie, uh, uh, and when he put in the script, I made him asterisk all, and there's a separate file where everything that he writes about is backed up by documentation. Right? Because we knew they'd come after us for facts, and was like, well, here we go. And and, and, and by the way, the stuff 
that most people don't know that he got in his research will just pass people by. But there's every, almost every line is a zinger because it's true, you know. And uh, you know, and I suppose this is one of the reasons maybe Breitbart, who are distributing it, this is their first movie. This maybe this is why they got involved because it's true, right? So it goes into their mission, it goes into Andrew Breitbart's mission of of getting the culture and influencing politics and telling the truth. And Andrew was a great believer in truth. So Breitbart, you know, they came in, they're, they're pushing this out, they're distributing it. And, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, no, it, it's, it's I mean, he got three million from the mayor of Moscow's wife, and he doesn't really know why he got it for consulting, as, as we put, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, I remember that. In a rather racy uh, way. That, but that was Robert Davy. Robert Davy, he's, he's amazing. He's the director. He just, he took our rather journalistic script, right? Or, you know, factual script, you know, but entertaining. He just le- jumped it up a couple of levels every time. All the all the good stuff. Off the top of your head, just name a few of the sources and how much money was involved with, with Hunter Biden. I don't think, almost nobody knows this. Well, for example, one of the things that I think is extraordinary, so $83,000 a month from Burisma, the energy company in Ukraine, $83,000 a month for five years. And I make the point about that. And here's a guy in his book, during that same period, in his book he says he smoked crack cocaine every 20 minutes. He said that. In his book he said that. And, you know... Lots of your listeners, by the way, are on the board of different companies or whatever, or they're running a company, and you know they've they've employed people who are addicts. Of course, they have many times. It's happened to people. It happens. You don't keep them going for five years. You don't give them eighty three thousand dollars. And the reason you don't is because they don't bring anything to the table. This guy brought something to the table, and he wasn't bringing his intellect to the table. Or, or his, his knowledge, was, or his knowledge of energy, or Eastern Europe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right. So that's eighty three thousand a month from Burisma. What else? Three and a half million from the mayor of Moscow's wife. He was part of a 1.2 billion uh, private equity fund in China, partially owned by the Chinese government. Uh, he was in he had a meeting with one of the Chinese, and they just gave him and his him and his bro- and his uncle. Uh, here, you take that hundred thousand dollars on a credit card for a bit of spending. You know, but I mean, Dennis, that happens to you the whole time. You know, we all have that happening to us the whole time. You know, you meet somebody and they say, look. There's a wee bit of spending money for you now. 100,000. And then the other thing that they gave him, the Chinese, was they gave him a diamond worth over $80,000. But sure, doesn't that happen to you? 3.6 carats, I think. Every time he goes anywhere, this fellow, Dennis, he's constantly, so the wife is always complaining, the diamonds are all over the place. They're always throwing diamonds at her. Isn't that right? Exactly. So this is, uh, everybody understands it's done because of who, who his father was, the yes. vice president of the United States. Yes. And then the father claimed he never talked about any of this with his son, which you, you feature that in the yes. film as yes. well. Yeah. Well, there are emails where, and, and, and text messages where he is talking about it. And there's also emails where Hunter says, cut ten, the big guy in for 10% or my chairman in for 50% of this deal. And Tony Bobolinsky, who's, who's his partner, has said now that the big guy was their code name. Right, exactly. President Biden. So, you know, I think, I don't know, some famous philosopher said, comedy is tragedy plus time. You know, and this is an American tragedy in some ways, what, what Hunter Biden was allowed, got up to, and what the media suppressed, the story the media suppressed. It's an actual American tragedy in the run up to election. The people who brought down Nixon 
expended all their energy for the October to, to, to destroy the October surprise in Hunter Biden. It's an American tragedy, right. and a little time has passed now, so it's an American absurdist comedy. It has to be, and it, you know, I think one of, I think in some ways, this is this movie is also about the media. I mean, I think that's a very big. That part was, of the, was very just part what of the I was going to get to. And it's kind of, um, I mean, you know, you would obviously have better, a much better understanding of American history, but I think it is unprecedented. I think it is the first time in American history that something like this has happened, where a story of this import was suppressed at such, in such a coordinated way. By the way, I mean, the New York Post did a great job. They threw this story out there, amazing story. And there was a coordinated effort uh, between big tech and big media to suppress it and to continue to suppress it. And what's funny, and you see, obviously, Dennis has seen the movie, and we, we obviously document that very well in the movie. And it is, it's, it's amazing to watch it. In the credits, we have, you know, the, the dis, you know, Russian disinformation. This is Russian disinformation. It was like, you know, you talk about they were issuing these, you know, talking points, obviously, to these people every day. And everyone said the exact same thing, Russian disinformation. And then a year later, it's like, oh... You know, actually, it was true. it's true. Dug into the 15th paragraph on some story that they had. That's right. That's exactly right. The, the, the silence of the press on this issue. And now, as you pointed out, I think, was it at the very end, 15 months later, the New York Times yep. acknowledged it, yep. right? It's, yep. You have a, a postscript yes, in yeah, your in film. The, in the th- yeah. yeah, and... and it's, you know, I didn't want. It's important to have that at the end, so people they're watching this absurdist comedy, they're laughing, they're learning a little, and then they're saying, "My God, it's I mean, all true." It's all true, and we have some That's scenes right. of Joe Biden speaking about China being a great country, and then we show at the end, this, this is actually based on an actual speech he gave, and how he. Then the other thing about how he brought down the Ukrainian prosecutor yes, right. and, and, and was real. proud of it. Yes, yeah. boasted. Yes. yes. Uh, I mean, all right, I want the people to go to your film. It's my son Hunter. You can, it's the link is through DennisPrager.com or just go straight to mysonhunter.com and uh, it'll blow your mind. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yep. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. I'm sorry. I'll mention Queen Elizabeth again. You know, she just died. Very sad. I wanted her to live a long, long, even longer life. Well, well, as I said, making the announcement last hour, she wore the the crown with such dignity. I consider, I'm sorry to say this, it's it's painful, especially the day that she dies, but I'll, I'll put it, I'll put it mildly, I'm extremely unimpressed and worried about her son who will become the king he's he's just another product of the woke world especially with regard to climate change the the ruining of the world of the by the left today is so dramatic <laughs> when I think I have on my phone living in California a, a an emergency message from the government of California not to use or to use as little electricity as possible because people are taxing the electrical grid in California 
one of the richest places on earth is California, and we don't have enough electricity during a heat wave, as people won't have it during a cold wave in the winter. It is all 100%, 100% due to the left. Ruin people's lives in the name of computer models with regard to the temperature by the end of the century. You notice they don't say now every 12 years. We have 12 years left, as Al Gore said in 1990. And when essentially nothing happened that was that damaging in 2002, well, 12 more years than 2014, nothing happened essentially. So they've stopped the 12-year message. It's now by the end of the century. So you can ruin people's lives now so that we have wind and solar by the end of the century. In my opinion, the odds are overwhelming that the alternate forms of energy used by the end of this century will neither be solar nor wind, certainly not wind. So here is a Daily Mail piece today. Tom Carriage, who's a celebrity chef in England, reveals absolutely ludicrous quote-unquote energy bill at one of his pubs will soar from 60,000 pounds to 420,000 pounds. I don't understand. How, 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 do, you, how do you pay 420,000 pounds and stay open? You can't stay in business. It's obvious. This is all because of the left. I told you, environmentalists are rich, are rich white people. That's all they are. They're, they're, they're bored with life. They need, they need to believe they're saving the world. They're overwhelmingly secular. This is a substitute religion. Celebrity chef Tom Carriage has revealed that the electricity bill at one of his pubs, just one of his pubs? That's hard to believe. Will soar from 60,000 pounds, even that's hard to believe, that it's 60,000 pounds now, to a staggering 420,000 pounds a year as Britain's hospitality sector faces financial ruin this winter. But nobody blames the Greens. The left destroys, they destroy freedom, they've destroyed the colleges, they've destroyed the elementary schools, they're destroying children's innocence, but they're never blamed. Without the left, there would be such calm. We wouldn't have had the 2020 violence, gigantic demonstrations over something that essentially is non-existent. Police brutality against black people and white racism. It's a made-up world, do you understand? They live, in a, they live in a make-believe world, and they're ruining the real world because of their make-believe world. Mr. Carriage, who owns three pubs based in Marlowe, Buckinghamshire, or Shire, said he has been quoted a rise from 5,000 to 30,000 pounds a month at one of his businesses. He said the quote has come from his existing electricity supplier for when the contract ends in December and worries because many of his appliances use electricity. 
Many British pubs are reducing their hours and closing down. You know what the social life of, of a society, when it revolves around, let's say, a pub, the quality of life issue, like masks? The fools and liars who kept telling people to wear masks and two-year-olds to wear masks? There was never a consideration of what effect does it have on the society's quality of life when you cannot see people's faces, when people cannot see your faces. That is a huge price. You better damn well have a really good reason to impose it. Many British pubs are reducing their hours. Landlords are reporting 400% increases in the price of their bills. Does even this in the Daily Mail note that this is because of the Greens? Do, Do the people understand why this is happening? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. It's like it just descended upon them in Germany, and in, uh, the rest of Europe. A quarter of pub and hotel owners are considering closing over the Christmas period to avoid losing money. It's so sad. One landlady whose energy bill has jumped from eight thousand to thirty-three thousand pounds told Mail Online, that's the Daily Mail website, you really need to be up for running a pub for the love of it, as it's certainly not to earn a living anymore. She's cut down on her menu. She's acting as the chef. Wow. What's, what's going to happen? This is all good news for the left. Chaos destruction of the current way of life. Marx's favorite line came from the devil in Goethe's Faust and from Mephistopheles to destroy all that which exists. That is a, that is, in, in a nutshell what the left does. Things, things were too peaceful. I've compared them to the what is the name of the person who makes uh, chaos in people's lives again? The, the, what is the name of, of that? Uh, it's got a female name. Someone who uh, constantly agitates in your family. Drama queen. Drama queen, yeah. The left of the drama queens of society. They hate calm. There are people who hate calm. They're bored. It gets them gets them agitated. The agitation brings them peace. Bring, peace brings them agitation. High, high, high employment, people doing well, energy cheap, therefore the prices of everything else were, were down. All this happened under Donald Trump. They hated his guts. They didn't hate him for his personality only. They hated him for the peace that he brought to the country. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Because with peace, people don't make revolution. People don't realize that. They think they hate him because of his personality. That's part of it, which which I don't even understand, not because of his personality. I don't understand. That's not how you assess a president. You assess him 
that he do good for his country, which he did. They hate calm. The more calm, the fewer Democrats elected. Agitation is the mother of elections for people on the left. When there are no crises, they must be created. No crises means that people are happy. Happy people don't vote left. Yeah, it's all, it's all dark. It's all truly dark. Happy people don't vote left. The trick is to make ungrateful people, and therefore unhappy people, angry people at America. Then we get votes. Tenafly, New Jersey, and Stanley. Hello, Stanley. Hi, Dennis. Thank you for taking my call. And first of all, I'm a conservative. Actually, I'm a libertarian. And the point of my call was to ask you why you lost so many friends over this political debate uh, when uh, more than half of my friends are to the left and I haven't lost any friends because we really just talk about our health, our daily routines, our family, our history, our hobbies, and they know not to talk politics. I know not to talk politics because we know that we do not have a common ground. And it just, uh, I read your happiness is a, is a serious problem. And I, just, I read your Passover Haggadah. And yes, uh, I, I, I don't want to be angry and upset about what's going on, but it, it's all part of life. And this has been going on for a long time. And uh, my father was, uh, may rest in peace, in 1990, he was reading a newspaper. And I told him, most of the stuff in the newspaper isn't accurate. And we took the newspaper and we broke it down. And back in 1990, a lot of the articles were not accurate. All and right, let me ask you something, Stanley. Why do you think that I lost any friends in the last few years? I haven't lost a single friend. Why do you say that I did? You, 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 you made the statement about a month ago that you have no friends on the left. Right, but I didn't lose any. I didn't have friends on the left 10 years ago. All of my friends and I share the same values. That's the point of a friend. I have no interest in having somebody to whom I only speak about hobbies. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I just, I find common ground. Okay. No, clearly. And I, 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 I'm not advising you not to be friendly with them. I've never told anybody, give up your friends who think that there's no such thing as male and female or that America is a moral cesspool or that the founders were despicable human beings. I've never told you to leave these people. I never told you to leave people who believe that doctors should take pledges to equity before they become a doctor or to, to drop people who believe in an all-black dormitory at universities. No. But I don't know why I would want them as friends because the whole point of friends is people you share values with. It's not a hobby association. If I, were, if I go to and I do an audio show, audio equipment is one of my hobbies. I don't care about their politics. It's true. At an audio show, I just talk about speakers, preamplifiers, amplifiers, digital analog converters, and headphones. That is correct. And it's fun as anything. I don't care if they're radical leftists. 
or whatever. But friends? Would, would one say that about a spouse? It doesn't matter their values because you, you share interests or have great sex. By the way, that has confused a lot of people when they do marry wrong. Sex is very powerful. Anyway, I didn't lose any friends. I've never lost friends over, over these issues because I've always chosen friends for sharing my deepest passions and concerns and values. To not talk about the most important things in American life and world life and many of them in my life in order to keep them as friends? What kind of bargain is that? I, Well before the woke period, I always said the definition of a friend, it's in my book on happiness. The definition of a friend is someone to whom you can say anything. But if you have to suppress your views on America and freedom and speech and men and women and the sexualization of children, then you're not you're not saying what you what you feel to to a friend. What kind of friend is that? Anyway, I didn't lose any, just for the record. But it's an important call. That's why I took it. Talking about my happiness book, I got a very wonderful package yesterday. Sharing a personal note. You don't even know this. I got four copies of my happiness book in Portuguese. Sent to me from Brazil. I'd like to read... Tomorrow, if I remember, I'd like to read the letter he wrote. A Brazilian man who who translated it wants my ideas to be disseminated more in Brazil. Watches the fireside chat every week. That it's, it's it's. I have to say, of my joys in life, seeing a book of mine in another language is is up there. That I, I fully acknowledge. Purpose of my life is to get my ideas out. The purpose of the left is to distort my ideas. As I reported in the first hour, Dennis Prager says slave owners were nice people. It's a headline in a left-wing site called Mediaite. Mediaite, like all left-wing sites, are the embodiment of what I've said to you for many, many years. Truth is not a left-wing value. The, the distortion inherent in that headline you wonder if the people who put that out at Mediaite actually have a conscience. And the answer is they do. But it's a left-wing conscience. And you could have all sorts of consciences. If you have to answer to a left-wing conscience, you're permitted to lie. Do I really think that slave owners were nice people? My whole point was nice people can, can do a lot of damage. So nice doesn't tell you about their values. There were nice people in every arena of life. They were nice communists. People who believed in communism, the greatest mass murder system in history. A lot of nice people did. Nice people were slave owners or believed in slavery. 
So my, my point is educational, is pedagogic, which was sailed way over the readers of Mediaite. Nice doesn't mean good. Nice doesn't mean having good values. Back in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. All right, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Okay. And let's see. Do we have my guest on? Yes, Nick Eberstadt, one of the important thinkers of our time, has a very important, short and to the point book, Men Without Work. And uh, let's see. So this, the men without work. So the, it says with a new introduction by Nicholas Aberstadt. So Nicholas, first of all, Nicholas Aberstadt, welcome to the Dennis Prager show. Thank you so much. So let me understand something. What does it mean? A new introduction? Uh, I didn't think that it was necessary to re-examine what had happened uh, for the men without work in America uh, up to 2016. I'd written a book back in 2016 about a problem that had been developing for half a century, and I think that holds up pretty well, if I do say so myself. I did have to update the book for what had occurred since 2016, including the pandemic and the uh, response to the pandemic, and the strange new situation that we find ourselves in now with a labor shortage at the same time that the workforce has dropped in numbers. Good. So let's talk about that. By the way, the book is up at DennisPrager.com. For my listeners' sake, I want you to know that. So I, I, I am stymied. So you're the perfect person to ask. Then we'll talk about the ramifications uh, in terms of men and in terms of the society. So I don't understand. I'll give you a perfect example. I went to a, a major a, a good restaurant chain here in Los Angeles yesterday for lunch and walked in and said, I need a table for two. And they said, well, it'll be a 20, 25-minute wait. And I said, I... I I'm not arguing, and I wasn't. I said, I just don't understand. There are so many empty tables. Why, why can't we sit at one of those tables? I said, oh, the, the issue is not tables. We don't have enough servers. So they had empty tables and couldn't seat us because they didn't have enough waiters. Is that a perfect example? That is a perfect example, Dennis. We have an unprecedented peacetime labor shortage. We have 11 million-plus unfilled jobs. Employers are begging applicants to apply. Uh, Workers have more bargaining power today under this uh, so-called great resignation than at any time in my memory. And yet there are millions and millions of people who were in the labor force before the pandemic who are still sitting on the sidelines okay it's a so 11 you gave the figure of 11 million what exactly does that mean 11 million what 11 million unfilled job openings that the u.s bureau uh, department of labor bureau of labor statistics are tracking and these are all over the country 
in every sector of the economy. They're not all high-skilled openings, needless to say. The main skill that one needs for a lot of these jobs is the skill of showing up reliably, on-time, drug-free. And yet, uh, these slots are not being filled. Okay, so obviously, the $64,000 question, why not? Because the economy isn't working to solve this problem. The economy solves economic problems. This is more like a social or a pathological problem. Uh, we've had uh, we've had the continuation of the retreat from the labor force of prime age men who uh, until recently were the backbone of the labor force. And now in the post-pandemic era, we're seeing other parts of our society uh, maybe start to get a little bit of this men without work syndrome. We're seeing older men and women who are the really the only bright spot in the labor tableau for the previous generation. Their rates were rising and coming back into the workforce. And we may be seeing a little bit of the men without work syndrome for younger women as well. That's why we have a shortfall of uh, millions of... uh, Okay, so we need to talk about that. The book is Men Without Work. It is up at DennisPrager.com. I'll be back with Nicholas Eberstadt in a moment. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at Pragertopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.